Welcome to Volume 1, Issue 21 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. The original Xbox's shelf life was bookended by Tales of Oddworld. At launch, Munch's Odyssey was moderately received and overshadowed by Bunchy's Behemoth Halo. Then, almost as Microsoft euthanized the machine in 2005, Stranger's Wrath appeared in a shower of top-notch reviews before promptly disappearing at retail. This week, we explore the game's reputation as a forgotten gem. Is its legacy warranted? Joining me, Leon Cox, this week we have Tony Atkins. Hello. And Darren Gargett. Ah, good day. And that's it, just the three of us this week. Mm. So, Lorne Lanning and Oddworld Inhabitants. I remember this uh, name, Oddworld Inhabitants, and Lorne Lanning, who I was unfamiliar with, cropping up in the mid-90s. They founded their studio in 94, but we didn't see a game for three years. Uh, does anyone else remember the actual news articles in the magazines? Or you're, I'm probably the only one old enough to remember the actual. Uh, Lord, this guy called Law Lanning has set up this team, and they're going to make these. They're going to make these games. There's going to be five of them, and it's going to all be set in this strange universe. Uh, well, I was probably 16, 15, 16, so I was yeah, I was probably blissfully yeah. unaware. Yeah. Yeah, I was even younger, so. so- Yes, sure. So, um, yeah, they their history. So, Oddworld inhabitants, Lawn Lanning, and a woman called Sherry McKenna, and a guy, another guy called Scott Easley, who I know, I must admit, I know less about those two. I'm sure many people do. Um, they had a history in art and animation, as far as I know, not games so much. Uh, but the first game finally came out in 1997. I do remember this: Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. Uh, a very stylish, attractive uh, puzzle platformer. It wasn't revolutionary, but it had a few cool little ideas in it. Uh, came out on PlayStation, uh, PC, and there was a Game Boy port as well. Um, you can now play it on PlayStation Network and on Live. Uh, I think there's HD version coming possibly as well on the PC. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I remember the yeah the audio visual side being quite outstanding. I didn't play it I didn't want to buy it I played the demo and and I appreciated what it was doing but uh it wasn't quite for me um sort of I I found the 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 fact that each 
each screen had a solution. I find platform games like that a little bit tiresome. But a lot of my friends absolutely loved it. They loved the character, and of course the thing that everybody remembers is you could make Abe talk to other characters and fart. <gasps> <laughs> you could of green sm- of green farty smoke come out of his yeah body. so did you guys play Abe's Odyssey at the time or after definitely it was like it was like a flagship title for the Playstation at the time it was it was one of the reasons why I had a Playstation like because mm. of the demo that I was around my friend's house I'm like what's this what, what is Abe's Odyssey let's check it out and the FMV really stands out to you um, as like a really attractive piece because their FMV is is impeccable. Even in Stranger's yeah. Wrath, their FMV is nearly film quality. You know, if mm-hmm. they could make a yeah. film with a decent narrative, I'm sure they could get away with it and make it. Well, decent. they tried. <laughs> did they? They did. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, that's a whole whole yeah. other story. Mm. But um, now I'm, I'm with um, Darren here. I I played this back in '97. Um, really, really right. liked it. it. It had a certain graphical style that was pretty unique at the time. It was pretty dark at the same time as, as cartoony. It reminded me rather of actually in that kind of rare um, kind of vein of being slightly humorous, but at the same time there's actually quite dark undertones to the story yeah, in the world that they so, live in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it was really funny. Uh, there was some great story selling to be done in there. Um, obviously what Abe could do is go, arr, arr, and then the odd fart. Um, and he strange... had a decent mind control mechanic, though, didn't he? Where he could take over the enemy's Muda... minds. Was it the Mudacons or yeah? The Mudacons, yeah. Mm-hmm. They had a decent yeah. sort of mind control ability, and you could make them explode. And like that was just the high point of the comedy in that game for me as that age. Right. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah. It's but... a little bit like we've seen in uh, just recently in Warp, where you inhabit uh, an mm-hmm. enemy and, and burst them from the inside. So the, the basis of the game was to take Abe and as many of his um, friends as you possibly could and let, let them escape from this what we assume has been an asylum um, and it was it was really uh, a well constructed game I, I certainly enjoyed it I played the sequel um, that's pretty much where I stopped but this this is a weird title that I didn't I didn't believe this could sit there and sell consoles as, as some mm. people were saying it would yet the, one of my friends the only console he's ever brought to this day is a Playstation 1 and the only game he's ever played on that Playstation 1 was Oddworld's Abe's Odyssey and he loved it so wow. I know it's, it's such a weird title to, to be that in this one thing um, but they, you know, that, that stands so it did affect some people yeah, that's interesting. Uh, a friend of mine's wife, who is uh, sort of, you know, when when she she's one of those people who does enjoy a game very much, but doesn't play that many different ones. And I remember the first time I think I ever talked to her about a video game, she was raving about the characters and and the the sound and the atmosphere of Abe's Odyssey. So it obviously uh, it had had an audience, had a market, and yeah, perhaps perhaps that was the thing of of a studio coming from outside the sort of the development world is they they managed to tap into something that perhaps you know people more ingrained in video games didn't and and, and a lot of that is it's character and art style isn't it also this at a time as you know you look at playstation you, and you've got like the wipeout series and it's all being very hip and cool and you know isn't jet uh, isn't gaming for all these cool people now and mm. abe was kind of the anti that it was it, you know you had drinks machines there and they were full of um, you know, commercial. There's lots of commercial digs in in the title, mm. and for a new yeah. new IP, that was that was pretty impressive and, and pretty risky from a company just to to bring that up. You know, interesting art design, a whole new world, new IP, uh, having some digs at society uh, that you know at what they were basically selling the PlayStation on. So, and also where perhaps some people were put off of the traditional 2D cutesy platformers, whether it be Mario or Sonic or Earthworm Jim or something, uh, Abe seemed to have a little more texture and depth and, and 
a little more nuance going on so it was and plus you know the improved uh, 32-bit graphics and and those those CG animations perhaps made it more appealing to somebody who would find the the uh, the sort of 8 and 16-bit platformers a little bit too simple and straightforward and cutesy mm-hmm. yeah i definitely think like i said earlier this game had a mass appeal for the the PlayStation owners and even people who didn't own a PlayStation like you said Tony your your friend bought a PlayStation just to play Abe's Odyssey and that this game i think definitely like I said, it's like a flagship title for the the early period of the PlayStation, and people were picking this game up because it didn't look like a Mario game, but it had the same sort of it had the same sort of feeling, and it didn't treat the player as like a you know I hate to use the term, but like a child. You know what I mean? Like Mario is all cartoony and it had that childish tone yeah, to it, childlike. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Abe's Odyssey, it looked quite serious. The puzzles were difficult as well, and mm, it was a tough well, game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it got it got pretty hard, as I understand it. I never played past the demo, but it, it, even some of the levels in the demo, I recall being, you know, uh, you have to make the, the the logical path. You know, think about the mechanics you have available to you. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of the trial and error and, and death. Um, there's a lot of him running around and making those jumps, dying, then mm. putting you back into an area, realizing you'd need to pull a switch or, or something. You know. The game it most reminded me of at the time was a game from just uh, three years earlier, which was Flashback. I was going to say the, Flashback. Yeah, yeah uh, similar sort of, although Abe had perhaps more abilities than uh, the guy in Flashback, whose name I've forgotten. Was he Conrad or was he in another world? Anyway, um, that sort of thing where, again, the, it's very heavy on the animation um, and very much each screen has a solution that you have to work out. Uh, rather than you can't you can't sort of wing it or improvise like you can in some games, which, as I say, I find difficult to play those games. But um, but that's not to say they're bad, as such. So uh, the following Christmas, they pretty much uh, I guess it was, it, although it was yeah, a full blown game and a sequel, it was really a tightening up of the first game in Abe's Exodus. Um, they added a quick save, perhaps in response to people saying that. Odyssey was too tough and frustrating. Hmm. Uh, did you, you you both play Exodus then? If you loved Odyssey so much, no. To be honest, I I think no. I had my N64 at that point. I'm not too sure, mm. but there was definitely 98. Period. You would have been playing Ocarina of Time, wouldn't you? I would have been yeah, knees deep in Golden and Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was, my attention was away from the PlayStation, unfortunately, at that time. Fair enough. Uh, I played Abe's Exodus because I liked Abe's Odyssey. I liked the world. Um, but I I don't ever remember getting particularly far in it. I think it was just a, you know like everybody. Yeah, I feel like I kind of played that very similar game before. I think it had a, a, a number of different story twists in it, um, mm. which I probably would have liked to have seen you know, full you know, follow through to the end. But obviously there was something not not quite there for me to continue all the way. See, it just goes to show that annual updates of a franchise are not necessarily a new thing. Uh, that came out on PlayStation again and PC, but this time the Game Boy version was on the Game Boy Color, which had come out that year. So, um, as Oddworld Adventures 2, I think they were, they weren't called Abe's Odyssey and Exodus on the Game Boy for some reason, but they were effectively cut down versions thereof. Uh, now, this one I know very little about. It's a game I've never played. 2001 Oddworld Munch's Odyssey, uh, a launch title for the original Xbox, also came out on the PC, and this time the Game Boy version was on the Game Boy Advance, which had come out that year. Uh, who played Munch? Anyone? No, no one. And there's your problem. <laughs> it was all about Halo. Okay. Yeah, was everyone playing Halo then? Right, yeah. 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 Okay. 
Well, apologies. It's very uncane and rinse-like of us that no nobody here has played Munch's Odyssey. Uh, if if enough people uh, email in and post in and say that you demand that it's covered, uh, we can probably do that in the future. But I don't imagine that's going to happen. <laughs> I, can, I, I don't even know if it was within the same type of the first games. Whether it was no, 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 no. I don't, it was it was a three D game. I remember reading the Edge review. They gave it a seven out of ten, which is in Edge, of course, a decent score, and not a dismissive well we don't really know what to give it and it's not very good so we'll give it a 7 it was an interesting game I think I'm you know literally talking based on things that I've read over the years I think it perhaps involved uh, uh, an enhancement or an further exploration of the communication idea that uh, that Abe had Uh, but beyond that I couldn't tell you much about it but um, apparently it, it probably I think it looks nice for uh, for the time being an Xbox One launch title, and you know they had a good history. They have a good history of making pretty looking games. So. We'll have to leave that one there. Um, if anyone could tell us all about Munch's Odyssey, I'd be interested to know. Uh, then there was a big old gap of four years, and as I said in the intro, this uh, the odd world. The two odd world games that appeared on in this generation were right at the beginning and right at the death of the original Xbox. Two thousand and five came out on Xbox. Uh, there's since been a PC version, um, but at the time this was an Xbox exclusive. Of world Strangers Wrath, today's game. Uh, I bought it on day one for probably for thirty-five or forty pounds, and it sat there and it sat there and it sat there and it sat there. I, I did play it. I played like the first you know hour or something, which is something I used to do a lot back in those days. Uh, and I saw the reviews. The reviews were fantastic, and uh, I I enjoyed the, the the start of it. It seemed quite charming and funny. But for some reason, I just never got back to it. Um, then the Xbox 360 happened not so long after that, as we know, and it never was playable on the 360. It never hit the backwards compatibility so list as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which could have done wonders for it. It surely would have appeared on the uh, Xbox Originals Marketplace. Mm-hmm. I think Munch... Did, is Munch on there? I think it might be, actually. Uh, so there is a way of playing that, um, if so. You think... Um, sorry, you think them not allowing it to be backwards compatible with the disc, you think that they would want it as an Xbox Live Arcade game, which was, you know, which is what happened on the PSN, but... Famously, Microsoft are known for turning that game down as a yeah. HD. Which is the file size is too large for an XBLA game. There has been talk that I think Just Add Water, who uh, are the uh, makers of this HD version that uh, that Tony and I have both played on on PlayStation Three, uh, they are absolutely. I think I, I think effectively the the 360 version exists you know I mean they actually it probably would have been more effort to get it running on the PS3 than it would have been to make an HD version running on the 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 360 but um, once they got past those backwards compatibility issues anyway um, but yeah it's something to do with the file size and there has been talk that it might yet come out as an on demand game as has happened with Crisis and Resident Evil 4 mm. Uh, and I'm not really sure what's stopping that from happening, but I guess it's a lot of red tape and stuff. Um, but anyway, it came out uh, at the end of last year on PlayStation Network, uh, a reasonable price. Uh, is it like twelve pounds or ten pounds? Eleven ninety-five, I think, is on. Okay, on and then it. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, no, no one's using that, and it doesn't say it anywhere. So I'm sticking with PSN. <laughs> it may say it in the small print, but it doesn't say it on the shop. Um, 
and it was soon after a reduced for PSN Plus customers. Of course, that happened after before I'd played it. So I've now paid over the odds for this game twice, having recently finally sold the my Xbox original for some pittance of a of a fee. But it's okay because I've finally played it thanks to Just Add Water, who are a UK-based team in Southampton, just uh, about 60, 70 miles from here as I record. Uh, they were only really known before this for Gravity Crash, which is a 2009 PSN game. Pretty cool game. It's like a Lunar Lander, Gravitar, Thrust, Oids type game uh, with a level creator. Uh, it's very tough. It's quite a neat little game. Um, and But now they seem to be very much kind of partners with Oddworld Inhabitants, who haven't, as we know, made a game for seven years. Uh, as such, uh, they are working on Abe and Munch HD versions, and allegedly, The Hand of Odd, which is a would be a new Oddworld game, an RTS, and this is proposed possibly for tablets. Um, any thoughts? Any knowledge of Hand of Odd, or, or or anything about Just Add Water? Round about the time of Stranger's Wrath on Xbox, they were talking about Hand of Odd hmm. and how it was an RTS, but it's like the same with all Oddworld inhabitants sort of things since uh, Munch and Strangers like they say these things and then they just sort of evaporate and you never hear of them again and it's only yeah. like because of this podcast that I've researched them a little bit and Hand of Odd crop, cropped up again I'm like surely they can't still be working on that it's crazy <laughs> well did, did you hear what they thought the original title for this game to be you know the follow up to Strangers Wrath was going to be it was mm. the brutal ballad of Fungus Clute hmm was apparently the was going to be the next title of the game after Stranger's Wrath before it got cancelled, and that was revealed, yeah, back in back in again the mid two thousands. Yeah, I mean, I, it's probably worthwhile actually talking about what happened to the company um, after Stranger's Wrath because they didn't fold. Um, they they went off to make two complete well a completely different project. Basically, Stranger's Wrath was a failure. Um, certainly in monetary terms and as a company yeah. they, they said they had enough, just had enough of the games industry but they mm. didn't want to fold they wanted to concentrate on another facet that they were good at, the FMV side of stuff, so they were going to make mm. a animated or CGI movie Right. Um, that CGI movie was going to be called Citizen Siege um, and I was reading a, a an interview I think they did with GameSpot back in 2007 where this thing had you know, got the green light. It had been developed for eighteen months. Um, it was all go, go, go. It was going to be out in two years' time, and obviously, we know that never happened. Um, and it, their idea was that they were very much about bringing all aspects together. And you remember when like Matrix came out, and they were like, "Yes, what we need to do is just bring enter the Matrix, the game, in with the, the film, and you can mm. buy all these properties together and, and have a seamless." That story. went well, didn't it? It did, <laughs> and. They decided that they were going to do that, but in, in their terms, they were going to do it properly. Uh, as the as the company, it would make the film and also make the game, um, and they were going to simultaneously develop them side by side. And they had par- apparently funding, and the film was underway. And um, but it, it just, by the looks of it, it never materialised. It it never got out that that you know, starting block where it got released. So the game got cancelled along with the film, and they they seem to have just continued as a company just ticking without going under yeah what strikes me is that if uh, if the rumoured budget of Stranger's Wrath of 15 million dollars is true and it, there's no way it recouped that because it, it stiffed at retail famously uh, they must have made a shit ton off of the Playstation games they must have made so much money off of Odyssey and Exodus and I guess to a lesser extent 
Munch and all those Game Boy versions that we mentioned um, because otherwise there's no way they could still be operating surely I'm sure Microsoft's wad of money for Munch's Odyssey exclusivity kept them afloat for a little while that's a very good point but yeah but that's one of the reasons they, they would cite that Stranger's Wrath died at retail I know this is all a bit ahead before we even talked about the game, but it, it's interesting to to look at how this game ended up to the point. Oh, it's of, definitely of, relevant yeah. of being a failure. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft took this under its wing, uh, financed it, I believe, and it was all being seemingly going swimmingly well. It was being produced much the same as Psychonauts um, before it, mm. and they had this big reshuffle at Microsoft, uh, new focus, um, and this was one of the games along with. Um, Psychonauts that were basically jettisoned and uh, sold off to different companies and EA yeah. picked up this one um, and they would argue that that didn't no favours because it was still an exclusive but it didn't have Microsoft's backing behind it and then EA had it as a, a title they just picked up and then seemingly didn't put the, the press and PR behind it to make it a success so it's a, it's a torrid history really for this, this title yeah, I was trying to remember. It was GT Interactive who put out uh, the PlayStation games. Um, can't even remember what happened to them. They became something else. They either they, they, I don't think they went bust. They were absorbed, possibly Pro- by by Midway, who was then absorbed by Warner Brothers or something like that. It's probably okay, a whole yeah. chain of co- companies. Sounds about right. Um, who knows how different the history of the franchise could have been if Stranger's Wrath had been held back for six months and launched as a 360 title in HD back then. Yeah. Because the reviews would have been every bit as good, possibly even better, because it was up against not very much of quality. <laughs> it would have been the best 360 launch game, almost well, inarguably. And th- there's your problem: is whether Microsoft would have wanted that as you know against their stuff when they were doing um, Perfect Art, you know, their own IP stuff. Yeah, they were throwing out because it. Without giving the game away for the rest of the podcast, you know, it shits all over Perfect Dark Zero. <laughs> yeah. And Cameo, that Cameo is a lovely game, but um, you know, it, technically, mm. it's it's far superior to that as well. So okay, so let's talk about it. Stranger's Wrath. Well, let's start with um, Darren because you played this uh, the the longest ago. Well, I probably played it the longest ago originally, but I didn't play it properly. So I did. I uh, did have this originally. I, I, oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I I had it, and much like you, I I don't know where I how far I got because I mm. I didn't didn't get to the twist. I know that. Um, no, no. So I was just I was taking down bosses, and that could be anywhere within the first half of the game. I'd imagine probably two or three hours. So. You've just reminded me to uh, issue now issue a spoiler warning because there are actually a couple of sort of quite key story moments in this, uh, and uh, we will talk about them. So, spoiler warning. So, Darren, you played this. Did you play this first on PC? I played this first on release on Xbox. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. The... And you, you. So you've you've like you've been a fan for a long time. Yeah, uh, Odd World inhabitants. Are, like they're always a. Uh company in my mind that really had like you know good ideas like with Munch even though I didn't play Munch I, I saw it and I was like that looks really interesting but Halo was in my console at the time and just never got yeah. around to it so when, yeah. I, when I heard that Strangers was a combination of my two favourite genres first person shooter and platformer mm. I was I was all over it and the fact that you can use live ammunition which we'll talk about in a bit as weaponry it was just it was the combination of just sheer genius and oh yeah I was invested but like you two I didn't get 
past like the third hour. I don't know what I think I found oh. it too hard. It was just the concept was too different at the time, and I I think I found it too hard. I actually remember being, uh, as I say, I dropped a lot of games after an hour back in those days for various reasons. Um, I do remember thinking that there was quite a lot to take in. It was quite, even though it was, again, as we said, sort of cartoony and you know quite jolly and stuff. The actual the mechanics were quite unusual. It's first and third person, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was unusual then anyway um, and yeah it immediately starts almost as soon as you start playing it starts throwing the ideas of this living ammo at you this is the kind of the key feature of the whole game really isn't it mm. uh, so you only have one weapon in the whole game that's your crossbow but it doesn't feel like that because it's all about the ammo which you can uh, have two different kinds loaded at any one time yes one on the left one on the right Hmm. Yeah, uh, and you start off with just a few different types, uh, most of which are in limited supply, and you have to actually go hunting, rootling around in the undergrowth for more of these creatures. Um, there's uh, you get infinite electric uh, shots. That's their zap flies. Zap flies. Yeah, if fair play, if either of you can remember the yeah, names of all I've, the I've different. Got them all. Yeah. Oh, nice one. Okay. Well, go for it. Go for it. Go for see, it. We'll see if we can work out these between us, days. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we have the stunks. Yeah. Which the, are the, the skunk people who would fumigate the enemy and sort of make them vomit all over the floor. Yeah. So you use those in crowded situations. You throw a skunk in, into the area and it mm. confuses people. Um, I'll go with you have the chip punk. Oh, yeah. Chipunk. Chipunk. Um, I think it is. Chipunk, which you throw into a group of enemies which uh, attracts them to its noise it basically yeah. it basically yeah. sw- doesn't swear but it, it says some rather derogatory things yeah. at them and encourages them to come over it's kind of like yeah. knocking on the wall in Metal Gear Solid to get their attention and then you ambush them from a different angle yes it, it, we, we can say straight away that actually going into large groups of enemies particularly for the first few hours of the game is not advised nope. it's very dangerous you will die very quickly and you really need to pick them off and think up your strategy especially if again along with the live ammo the other key thing about this game is the risk reward element that if you want to capture baddies you have to go up to them and hold a button down to sort of absorb them in a almost ghostbusters yeah, into your style. wrist into your wrist <laughs> which takes uh, a good while and if there seconds, are still an- yeah. yeah and if there are still enemies about you will almost certainly die um or you can kill them and let them rot away and you get lesser money or you can suck up their dead bodies and get a little bit more money so there's is that is that right there's sort of three yeah. levels of success yes. of killing a bad guy um, oh, sorry. each one of those is I mean, you have an ability in, within your arsenal to, to do any of those things to go you know, straight out killing to entice right. into an area um, for instance you have a is it Bolomite, the spiders, which you fire at them. And of course, what do spiders do best? They make webs. So they basically yeah. encompass an enemy for about 10 to 15 seconds, I would say. Uh, giving Not Never quite long enough yeah, when there's more than one of them. That's yeah. represented by little stars on their head. So as you see the stars counted down, you know how long That's right. So. Yeah, every enemy's got a two sort of indicators, which uh, is sort of incorporated... Um, organically, so they have a, a they have red stars, which shows their damage. Once once they've got two of those, if you hit them again, they're probably going to die, uh, or three. If they've got yellow stars, then if they've got two, they're nearly dizzied. If they've got three, then they're they're n- knocked out for a while, and you can suck them up. 
Again, it kind of reminds me of Metal Gear Solid, where in the boss fights you <laughs> like, you get a kill, like a stamina kill or a regular kill, and there's like there's different yeah. repercussions and benefits and mm. stuff like that for doing yeah. that. Yeah, always a, 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 a live kill is always rewarded more than a dead kill. Mm. Yeah. And just to finish off the the, yeah. the ammo types, you have the fuzzle, which mm-hmm. is a it's one of the best ones actually. He, he's kind of like this furry, angry furry ball of fluff. I'm going to yeah. describe very pointy. Um, you can fire those, and they they can be your trap ones. So you can call somebody over and lay all of these things. And as soon as they see somebody walk near them, they all jump and start biting their heads and stuff. And if you lay enough, they will kill. But if you lay two or three, they will just they will confuse. So kind of a proximity mine sort of mm-hmm. effect where you'd leave them on the floor, and you know they'd wait for the enemy to come there and pounce on them. Yeah. Uh, the final two would be the bombats. Which uh, bats love the bombats? Bats which carry bombs. They they are what they are, and they're very homing missiles. Yeah, very powerful, but in very short supply. Yeah, they're they're f- they're for killing people with mainly. Uh, you you can get a stun with a, a bombat on a strong enemy, but generally, if you if you start launching them, you're, you're, in you're trying to thin. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you're trying to thin out the enemy. Yeah. Uh, and the final one of your arsenal and. In the second half of their game, these all actually have a change of variation. Um, Upgrades, yes. But uh, the final one in your arsenal is zap, uh, not zap flies, they're sting bees. So yeah. bees don't sting, so I'm going to call them the wasps. Cause they, bees do sting. Yeah, but they... they do we have the, the thud slug as well, the big heavy they do, ball, yes. yeah, ball of... Yeah. And that's, just, that's basically your shotgun analogue, the thud slug. Mm. Uh, the the be- the yeah the bees are your kind of wasps are your kind of um, machine gun aren't they? Yeah, yeah. great firing firing wasps at people is never never not entertaining. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely the one the ones that uh, the ones that have the most personality are the ones that sit on your your crossbow at the, at the front of the screen when you're in first person, actually sort of snarling and winking and blinking and making faces at you, which uh, which does give the the game quite a unique. Yeah, sort of feel. I, yeah. I think it's the chipmunks are actually saying stuff to you as you're walking around, like, "Oh, that's a lovely <laughs> weapon," and you know, "Are we actually there yet? When are we going to do this?" And it's it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and animation the, animation with character is the way to describe it, which is yeah unusual <laughs> even yeah. to this day. And the the structure of the game for the first few hours seems that it's going to be, and and you you kind of assume it's going to be repeated. It feels very much like the structure is. You uh, you have a fight. You 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 come across some uh, you know regular outlaw dudes. They're all you know very cartoony. They they look like the kind of what do they look what do they look like? Help! Oh, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? I don't really know. Sort of a bit muppety, a bit uh, a bit like yeah. They're, they're, it, they're, I mean, if, if totally you've ever unique, aren't they? yeah, I mean, if you've ever played uh, the Abe games, these these aren't necessarily the same creatures that were in. Odyssey and Exodus, but it's that it's that style of thing. Only this is more obviously this is Wild West themed. You play a stranger who uh, is voiced by Lorne Lanning, and as are half, uh, probably seventy-five to eighty-five percent of the things in the game. And he's kind of he stumbles over his words. He's a bit of a simpleton, but um, and he's a tough and mean. But he's kind of you know he's 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 that he's that sort of uh, Clint Eastwood kind of mm-hmm. gravity figure. Voice. Yeah, uh, and um, yeah. So the structure seems to be that you're going to fight some of those dudes and then get to a boss guy um, who is like a bigger, meaner one of the bandits um, with his own unique attacks. And uh, then you have the choice of either taking him out by killing him, which is normally a lot easier, or as uh, Darren says, like in Metal Gear Solid, you can make it a lot harder for yourself if you don't want the kill. And the rewards for this are 
uh, more money, moolah. And a lot more money. You you can go from two hundred dollars all the way up to a thousand dollars for for taking them alive. So it's worth mm. your effort to actually uh, go for that slightly harder. It way. is, but I would suggest that the economy is a little bit broken because you can buy everything in the game even if you only kill everyone, mm. which it's... kind of makes a mockery of the whole uh, taking them in an alive thing. Well, it, it's weird because they. They pose it to you that you need twenty thousand dollars by the end. That's of the right. Day, um, for this surgery, and you don't know what the surgery is. Mysterious surgery, um, yeah. And it's it's a it's a great little um, plot development actually because you, you're like, well, of course I need to know what the surgery is. I'm this guy, so why don't I why don't I not know? And they never tell you. Um, I thought it was going to be something embarrassing. Yes, exactly. Well, kind of is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I was under. The, I was like, "Well, I need to get twenty twenty grand." So I was at the start very reluctant to actually spend money on upgrades because I'm I'm, I'm going to catch everybody alive. Um, and then you realise about halfway through the game, slightly before that, that it's it's really hard to take in certain people alive. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's it's you'd, you'll be dying five or six times when you could have just actually resolved the situation by just throwing one boom bat in there, for instance. Mm, mm. So that's when I stopped really caring about that. Uh, and obviously, by the plot yeah. twist, uh, it's irrelevant anyway because there is no money. So, yeah, if I saw, if I saw that, um, if I could see that it was quite easy to start knocking down uh, a big, a big, you know, a boss's um, stamina bar, then I would generally go for the uh, the alive kill. But if if I was just walking out and dying, walking out and dying, then I'd think, oh, fuck you, I'll get the boom bats out. Um, Generally, throughout the game, I probably caught more alive than dead. Not bosses, maybe, but uh, the rest of the rest of the guys. By the end of the game, once you've powered up your um, your webs and all that, you can pretty much walk into a room, just shoot everyone, and uh, hoover them all up quickly. And any who get up, you just do. You've also got two melee attacks. Uh, you've got a spin and a punch. Headbutt. Uh, uh, yeah, spin and a headbutt. Sorry, yeah. and the pu- and the punch is in first person. So, but you can pretty much knock anyone back down. Um, sort of, you would think later in the game you'd be a bit overpowered, but the game makes sure that that never quite happens in the bigger arenas by chucking shitloads of enemies. <laughs> yeah. Um, where were we? What next? Uh, characters. The characters are unique. Yeah. Um, I think this is Obwell Inhabitants. That's yeah, Obwell Inhabitants mm. is kind of for you know, What's the word? Uh, forte. Forte. Yes, it is their yeah. forte. Interesting characters. They, they've done it throughout the Oddworld series, and it's it's weird because this game has very little um, in common with those other games. Uh, it, it doesn't really say it's well. Basically, it's still set within the Oddworld universe. We would assume, mm. but there's very little plot that carries over from any of that stuff. It almost seemed like a new break from them. Uh, from yeah, it feels like it's set on the other side of the planet of Oddworld, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Oddworld is definitely a thing. Like you know, they actually references it as an odd world, don't they? It's not just a name they've used for a, a quirky name. It's an actual odd world where yeah. things are happening in different places. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and you can see some of the creatures do. Um, of the of the, the creatures that are the grubs in this game, who are the kind um, of <laughs> again, they're kind of muppety villagers, and they kind of talk like that. That's a great and, impression. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, are they have they are they featured in any of the other Oddworld games? They look familiar, but maybe I'm I'm just thinking of something else. I don't know. I don't remember seeing them in Abe's Exodus or Odyssey or right. Munch. But they look more like a Munch character they than do, yeah. than, oh, okay. than Fry. Yeah, I think Munch himself is 
he's a, he's a wheelchair bound little guy and he, he kind of looks like one of them in sort of aesthetic that they look kind of simple and uh-huh. like simple sim, not simple in design but simple in terms of like you know brain power they look a bit idiotic don't they the little grubs Mm. Um, and and oddly, uh, most of the townsfolk you meet for the first few hours of this game are birds. They're like little chickens. Yeah, chicken they're known dudes. as the clackers. Yeah, clackers. Um, and they all have the same voice. <laughs> uh, that that's something which comes up a lot. I, I did look at the voice cast, and Lord Lanning does indeed do huge amounts. The stranger, he does the natives. Uh, several of the big outlaws, he does the dock. He does Mister Secto, who is the final boss. Mm. Uh, he does the bounty store clerk. He does the old Steve as well. Um, where um, a guy called Michael Bross does all the townsfolk, all the Wolvarks. I think uh, he's he a member of the development team as well. Uh, I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I had a bit of a problem with with this. Um, it although some of the voices are quite funny, they're just there aren't enough of them for me. And also another problem relating to that I had. You know, you, you're quite right, Tony, to talk about the characters, but all the boss outlaws were to all intents and purposes exactly the same they all had the same personality they they had the same voice and they were just you know very simply a big bad varmint um and it would have been more interesting if apart from different guns they actually had something a little more going on yeah i, I never really saw it as a like an issue for me i I think because the world of Oddworld is so bonkers and weird that I just sort of took it as part of the universe and not more of a restraint on their resources, if you know what I mean. Because, mm. you know, all the chickens sound the same. That sounds like they didn't have enough money <laughs> yeah. because, you know, they couldn't afford enough actors or something. But for me, it just seems it just seemed right that all these chickens sound exactly the same because a group of chickens in a farm they all cluck the same do you know what I mean and, <laughs> and they're point. just all walking around these towns just saying exactly the same stuff over and over again but it seemed okay I don't know why that is but yeah in any other game I'd have slagged it off but <laughs> with this one it's just like yeah that's fine all chickens sound the same that's great I'm interested Darren like when you first played this how old were you? Well, what we're talking about, 2005 so 7 yeah. years ago that was 21 yeah 21 okay relatively young um and you've played it again recently. Uh, did you think overall the game was funny then, and do you still think it's funny now? Um, this is I not think, a weighted question. This is genuine. I think it's funnier now than back then. I, I think seven years. It's only seven years ago, but I think I was. I don't know. I probably didn't. I probably took myself far too seriously seven years ago. Whereas, <laughs> whereas now I'm more of a developed person. Um, I, I definitely take it. Well, yeah, I definitely take it with. Um, a pinch of salt, if you know what I mean. Like, I definitely tongue in cheek. This is this, this game is funnier than it was back then, definitely. And like I say, the the the, the clone chickens are just a prime example of why I like the game so much. Hmm. Tony, what what did you think? Did you find it the whole thing amusing? Um, as always, probably a mixture of both you two. I always find myself in this position. I haven't even said what I think well, yet. No, I, I, you're, you're assuming. Yeah, well, I, I, have I assumed correct? That's the question. Uh, but um, unnecessary. I, I agree with Darren. Does I agree with Darren actually about the chickens? I, I never really had a problem. I find that kind of quaint and cute, um, uh, and the fact that whenever you were lost, you could just press whatever button, I mean, square or X or whatever it may be on the PS3, um, and tilt your head and your hat slowly, and you ask in the gravelly voice, excuse me, madam, do you know where I'm going to be going? And they go, oh, <laughs> down here. And it's, it made me kind of smile every time, because they're, they're, quite often their responses were ridiculous. Mm. Um, and either 
directly on the money or they basically told you to bugger off which mm. was funny um, I think when it comes to the, the greater scope of the rest of the game and the you know the quintessential bad baddies I think that's where it suffers They're, they do all essentially feel the same um, for all the great looking character design and there is some fantastic stuff where uh, say like over, oversized jaws for the face. You know, you got the bottom mm. jaw that goes completely in from the, where the top jaw is, and it's complete and it's it's bizarre but utterly beautiful and great character design. Yet everything you do within the game all comes down to the same thing. It, it repeats over and over and over and over again. And it would have been nice that if some of those characters actually had more of ability, um, uh, their looks kind of carried into mm. the actual combat side of stuff because yes some may have mechs or some may use a slightly different weapon but it would be more interesting maybe if all the, the people of that hideout had that particular thing because up until the twist I was like jeez it's you're doing the same thing over and over mm. again and um, although you know it's it's fun when you finally band at these people it's it, it, they, they're pretty much you know indistinguishable from the, the last five hours of gameplay I've done so yeah, I, I I will take your point. I I think there's a bigger problem with the, the enemy characters, but the chickens are funny. <laughs> yeah, um, I I found the chickens a little grating after a while, but uh, but I did uh, I did like the grubs and uh, yeah, it's it's like it's a mixed bag. I think some sometimes it's quite chucklesome, and other times it's a bit tiresome. It's a bit like a kids' cartoon, um, and other times there's a little bit seems to be a little bit more going on. Um, I think the the sweet spot gameplay wise really comes. Not to leap ahead, but uh, because I think it's relevant to what you're to what we're saying about repetition, the sweet spot comes from about from halfway to three quarters of the way through when you've got almost all the upgrades um, and little things that you're taught very early on, like the stealth mechanics, actually become relevant. So one thing that you're told very early on is that you can hide in tall grass to make yourself invisible, but this is hardly used really until the later stages when you have to start thinking about it because otherwise you're you're going to get picked off, overwhelmed, yeah. overwhelmed, yeah. Um, and it do, you know you get these stealth darts later on, and you get these weapons which can actually properly um, take out groups. So you can with your with your upgraded uh, chip punks or whatever they are, you can um, you can lure several away and then net them all simultaneously um normally what happens um yeah we should say there's almost a sort of metal gear solid style radar uh situation where uh every time you're in an area with enemies you can see their yellow dots with vision cones um and if you alert somebody in a metal gear solid style uh everybody goes uh, red and they can see much further and they all come make a beeline for you um, although there are, there's a reasonable menagerie. They, there's not a huge amount of interesting AI going on. They tend to pretty much steamroller you. Some of the ones with guns shoot you from further away, but um, uh, it pretty much becomes about using that that ammo that we talked about to uh, separate and um, eliminate, divide and conquer. <laughs> I'd like to have seen with the AI some more interaction with you in the environment so like if an AI runs by a rock you could then hit a certain switch to make a rock fall down there was, was a, there's a few examples of that in the game where there's a rock on a crane and if you zap fly the, the switch the rock That's comes right. crashing down and kills I mean, I'd like to have seen some more environmental stuff and mm. there, were, there were bits where you're on rails in a minecart and again like that was that was nice to break up the gameplay but I'd like to have seen more 
rather than red barrels exploding and there's a lot there's a lot of exploding red barrels in this game I'd like to have seen something different in terms of you know killing them yeah I suppose the interesting thing about the red barrels in this game is that again if you choose to utilise the many red barrels that are left lying around very uh, exposed and tempting that will undermine your uh, your your score as it were but the, the the thing is as we still haven't sort of revealed the plot but for the first half of the game or so you're collecting money um, but for the second half of the game that completely ends you are no longer trying to bounty you're no longer taking enemies to the bounty store and collecting your loot your moolah you are in fact just restocking your ammo which is pretty much you can do anyway uh, so it becomes that although the combat becomes harder and, and potentially more intricate it's also undermined slightly by the fact that the risk reward is less relevant yeah it's a bit of a shame that all the the, the economy goes out the, the window once the reveal happens because you can you can stress over it so much like oh I'm not going to get boss number three for the all he's worth if I capture him dead and like I, even with the PC one, because I had I didn't know about the reveal, which we will get to in a bit. Um, yeah. I didn't. I was stressing over these guys, like, oh, I need to take them alive because otherwise I'm not gonna. Like Tony said earlier, I'm not gonna get the twenty grand of moolah to afford the surgery, and it's a bit of a shame. But at the same time, I I really, I really appreciated what they did with the uh, the midway point. For most of the game, I actually wherever possible, I did try to capture. Um, very rarely did I kill. And when it came to the bosses, I think the first one was that I didn't bother. He was up on a high balcony some mm. somewhere, and he had a shield around him. And it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, I die, and it was firing rockets down. There's a tiny fence, and I died. Oh, yeah. maybe about you know ten to fifteen times before just going. At that point, okay. I get that's fine. You can just die in any way, shape, or form because this is you know, yeah. severely uh, hampering my progress. But I think there was only two, two in the end, which I didn't actually do that to. Um, apart You're from the, a more patient man than I, I as as we've but, established. But yeah, but it was it's more of the. Um, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to two ways to be able to do this. You zap fly them, or you um, I, the the one I forgot the big. Lost the balls. Fud slug. The fud slug. There we go. The fud slug, and you zap fly them over and over and over again. And if you do it quickly, quicker enough, their stamina bar will go down before their health bar, um, and that's pretty much it. And with and with the utility of the quick save function, uh, that becomes it, it, you can actually do it pretty easily without the quick save function. I I wouldn't <laughs> probably not, but I I enjoyed enjoyed doing that rather than just you know, firing the bigger weapons up there and, and killing them straight away. It, it adds another layer of aspect to the game. Yeah, definitely. I think the uh, I I do recall the original having the quick save as well. He so, did, yes. Yeah, yeah, on the on, on the Xbox. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about how it plays out then. So the first half of the game or thereabouts, you are a cowboy dude and you are bagging outlaws to make money for this mysterious operation um, via this doctor, and you don't know what the operation is. Now, the thing is that. At the same time as it's revealed you need $20,000 for this operation, it's also revealed that there is, uh, the, is it uh, Secto, the, the kind of... The, the big bad. The, the big bad, although you don't necessarily know he's a big bad at this time, do you? No. He's just kind of, he's just a An dude. employer, yeah, he, he's going to offer you 20000 for one particular kill. For yeah, for this animal, the steef. So this, so I'm, I'm assuming at this time we're we're going to be going on safari kind of thing to find this uh, steef. 
So um, it's the second town, isn't it, or the third, where it's on a river and uh, there's a boat and you need to uh, clear the area of all the bounties before the boat will run down the river. I think it's uh, New Cluck City or something like that. Is that New York? New, New York. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there's and uh, some interesting stuff to do. There's a, there's a black market store which is hidden, which has some extra armor upgrades and, and ammo bags and things like that. It's, uh, worth a worth a visit. Um, so yeah, I was thinking. Okay, uh, well, obviously the this um, Steve is going to be like the mid boss or something, and then we're going to have this operation, and then something else is going to happen. I don't know. I, I wasn't really sure. What 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 were you thinking at this point before before it before it's revealed what happens? I didn't realize this is where the game was going to have a twist. I, I felt like the game had naturally progressed to a point, probably where it could finish. It's about maybe six to seven hours at this point I mean welcome to modern day gamers where we're all oh the game should only be six hours long but um, I was there thinking well you know, there can't be much longer I'm going to get this Steve and get my money and you know work out what the end of the plot twist is mm. um, and yeah I was at, little did I realise only halfway through a game yeah. um, which it was funny on Twitter I'm like oh really okay damn <laughs> <laughs> back to it <laughs> um, and it, it I mean, I'm, I'm appreciative of the twist because um, by the, at that point I was like, "Wow, this game literally it did one thing. It was you know you you hunted you you know, it it's got like three acts. You enter an area, you kill the minions, you get the boss, and you go to the next town. You do four in a town and you move on, get some money, and that's what I've done for three towns. And I thought, well, we're going to now get this final big bossy thing, and I'm going to move on, and that's going to be that. Um, but it didn't. It wasn't quite. Gameplay changed slightly. So, Des, where were you? Yeah, in New York City, I was getting my upgrades. I was ready for the the Steve, as mentioned. And um, okay, wasn't just yeah. me then. No, no, no. It's, that's the way it's presented. It's like you know, yeah. this is how this is how you get your money. This is how you get your twenty Gs. And yeah, let's um, let's get ready for it. And you know, so you say you're killing the enemies. Well, you know, you're not killing the enemies. You're you're saving the enemies and bagging them up for maximum mm-hmm. bounty. You're, you're equipping yourself with everything you want and everything you need. And then, yeah, lo and behold. Yeah, so you get uh, you get captured, don't you? By um, Secto is effectively playing you up against uh, another outlaw guy. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And he and he's sent out to capture you, uh, which he does. And uh, you are then oh god, and this was a terrible section. Um, so you're in a uh, you're in a boat when the reveal happens. Um, for some reason, they're going to whip off your trousers. They do whip off your yeah. trousers. Yeah. They do whip off your trousers. And, uh, yeah, he twigs that, in fact, the operation that uh, Stranger wanted to have was to remove his extra legs, because he is the Steef. Yeah, it's quite an impressive, unexpected twist. I'll, yeah. I'll give him that. So he's got four legs, and uh, from that point on in the game, you never wear your boots again, your big boots. Uh, you gallop around. Like a centaur, on... yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that bit, um, you uh, kind of just as you're about to die, I think, you get uh, rescued by mysterious uh, people outside the boat who you, you soon find out who they are. Um, there's a, 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 it's a really unpleasant room where you're in a burning boat and you have had all your weapons taken away. So all you can do is run around the room spinning like a mad thing, hoping your stamina bar doesn't run out because that stops you being able to do anything and getting killed by stuff. And at one point, I got killed 
as far as I could tell, by the bit of ceiling which is scripted to fall down to <sighs> make your escape <laughs> onto the next section. Really? So I think I died about six or seven times in that room and I wasn't happy. Very frustrating. Uh, got there in the end. and then. But as soon as you come out, it's quite a sad scene, isn't there, where you're... Um, you think, oh, escape that, but then because you're a steef, all the, uh, the the clacker heads or whatever they're called, they're all terrified of you and petrified, and they drive you out of town. Yeah, everyone's after you, and and everyone's scared of you because you're the legendary steef that's like the ultimate in you know in I don't know like predator, I guess. It's, Evil, like, it's, it's yeah. a feared animal, the steef, and that's why there's such yeah. a high bounty for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you break out of that window and. You get like a little third-person action cutscene, and then all the chickens, all the clackers are running around like idiots. Um, people are shooting you from the windows. That's it, right. It does feel real tense and like a sort of like a great escape moment, you know. There's if they were playing that music from the film, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel out of place, I reckon. It's just there's a definite sense of we need to get out of here because it's nuts. There's there's tannoys like alerting everyone that the thieves yeah. on the loose. We need to get it, and it's a really good. Apart from the boss fight when you're in that burning sort of area and it's horrible. That bit after that, I think's I think it's like probably the highlight of the game. It's it's really well done. It's interesting as well because we we haven't talked a lot about the environmental stuff that this game does, uh, and this links in, in with this section perfectly because the easiest way I can describe it, and, and I thought this at the time, it's a little bit like Halo. Um, <laughs> do you know how the, the, on the Halo show I was describing how gamers don't really do the thing where you know it's a huge world and they feel like the camera could actually pan up and you'll see all these interlinking parts rather than just you know corridors of sections that have been designed um, mm. this is one of those games that actually does the, that Halo style, um, it's very technically Jesus Christ, very technical um, for it's time in 2005 obviously he was using a lot of the hard drives there, um, yeah, I think they is... I think they mask a certain amount of the of the sort of streaming or whatever with uh, with tunnel sections, don't they? But Yeah, but it, it, you know, it, it works really well and you do feel like you're, you're in this huge big environment but up until this point um, you've been doing a lot of deserty, deserty stuff. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's yeah, wild westy, wild yeah, yeah. westy cowboy shooting. You know, there's the, the buildings are all you know very nice in the wild westy type way, um, and it looks very very pretty. But at this midway point, uh, where you get run out of town, you you suddenly go on this what I would describe as a whirlwind adventure, um, yeah. and the game changes up uh, quite dramatically. Um, it's yeah. Where you've been going quite down narrow ravines and corridors, um, all of a sudden you're you're put into more of an open e world environment. And those, in, so you've gone from deserts and, and suddenly you're into lush woodlands with waterfalls and lakes and caves yeah. with spider webs, you know, dripping from mushrooms, the streams and mushrooms. Yeah. It's like as soon as you lose your your cowboy accoutrement, your boots and your hat. Um, that the whole Wild West thing kind of pretty much goes out the window. You always forget it? about it. You, you end up in a snowy environment. Of, um, yeah. The factory there's a castle that's de- de- dilapidating. Yeah. Um, and it's you find out that's uh, who are the little guys? Keep grubs. The grubs. You find out that this castle is the grubs' last home, and uh, hmm. you know, the, the guys are going to you know the baddies are, are taking that over, and it's there's some quite yeah. poignant changes. So you go from this brown, dusty environment, which is you know interesting to a degree fit within that game at that point to this completely separate um, plot twist and completely what seemed like a, a separate type of game yeah uh, and, and it feels more like what I was expecting from an Oddworld game but less like what I was expecting from Stranger's Wrath which I assumed was a western all the way through but kind of isn't yeah, it gets a bit darker doesn't it when, when he's being chased like you know literally darker like it's like sort of night time at that time and it definitely tonally feels different and the larger environments 
are sort of I reckon they were made because he can now run faster with his four legs so there's a definite shift in sort of mm-hmm. speed and, and gameplay when he starts running around on all fours it's... you really can uh, with the double jump at full mm-hmm. speed you can go a long way can't you you're yeah. really whistling through those environments and um, yeah sometimes I made mistakes in difficult fights where I was forgetting to come out of first person because you really can't move very fast in first person at all but if you uh, you click the right stick to go back out to third person you can you know go several times the speed let's just see what i mean about the halo uh, similarities certainly at the, at the 2005 time because they're, they're big environments they're big expansive stuff and there's a lot of you know hope room for moving up the up levels and firing mm. down on people um and because you can move that fast that they do allow you a lot of space um not maybe you know the the ai is nowhere near quite as uh, as good but um you know it's i think the similarities are there technically anyway yeah. So what's sweet is, uh, just as you've been, uh, after this big reveal, you've, and you've been hounded out by the, the clackers, who are always a bit annoying anyway, <laughs> uh, you end up in a grub village, and they cheer your arrival. <laughs> because to, to them, the legendary Steve is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. That's a heartwarming moment. It is. It's, it really brings those little guys back, to, you know. I always like those little grubs when you first see them, but when they start praising you and actually appreciating you for what you are, you're like, oh man, I'm I'm so glad that someone's finally on my side, and even though they end up getting attacked, you, you really wanted to um, fight for that town and the little village. They even uh, they even they give you some sort of uh, special ceremonial armor and stuff, so you, your costume completely changes to this sort of very sort of ancient looking. You almost uh, eventually look like the guy from Skyrim with this horned helmet. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And you get a better crossbow, don't you? Which then leads to the the upgraded mm. animals and stuff like that. Yeah. Which have totally different names. Yeah, that's right. Because you can buy um, you can buy some uh, more powerful versions of the ammo before that, um, in particularly in the black market. But uh, the yeah, they they you do get a new crossbow. Um, yeah, I wasn't exactly sure, but yes, you, from that point on, you become much more powerful. And pretty much after every sort of significant thing you do, they give you another set of armor. Mm-hmm. Um, we should actually talk quickly about the health system in this game because it's quite unique um, and it's sort of interesting but at times it's quite annoying it's kind of like recharging health isn't it, it's, it but it's sort of manual regenerating health it, rather than exactly. automatic yeah yeah. Um, so when you take health damage you're, obviously your health bar drops but then to replace the, to replenish your health you, you need to um, shake it off and that co- that costs stamina and then that re- that regenerates over time and uh, mm. yeah it's, it definitely piles attention on when there's a few few of them shooting on you mm. and you're trying to desperately shake out the bullets and the darts and stuff um, but every time you take a shot it sort of interrupts that and there's, de- there's sometimes especially later on in the game there's definitely uh, tension and sometimes a little bit unbalanced gameplay in there yeah the, the the shakeout stuff is fine there's a lot of points where you can run around the corner do a quick save shake out wait for your stamina to build up you can improve your stamina as the game goes on with various upgrades uh, but regardless of all the upgrades you have including the armor and everything else some of the later combat unless you're you know, perhaps a more patient player than I and sort of picking things off you will end up in these situations where you're surrounded by stuff later on there's some big sort of tanks with it that fire electric beams at you and uh, you, I mean the, the whole the whole sort of outlaws they're entirely replaced by the uh, the other enemies whose name the mm, I've forgotten what they're called yeah, anyone 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, sort of nasty monsters. Um, they're, they're a different. They're a different kind of monster. Um, they're more sort of military, aren't they? They're they're secto sort of private army, uh, and they're they're a lot tougher by and large. Even though you are, as I say, as I said earlier, you do have a lot of power, and you don't need to worry so much about the risk reward anymore. Um, the combat can still be quite demanding, especially yeah in those big open areas. And the shakeout thing, yeah, um, something that comes up. I think Tony and I are both gonna particularly talk about the uh, the, the final half an hour to an hour of this game. Well, it's, um, I mean, it's it's a they try to balance it. It's you can see how it would work if you're not caught in these situations where unfortunately you're getting shot and you know your stamina is less than what you're being shot at. Um, yeah, and the trouble is everything you do uses a bit of stamina, doesn't it? Moving about, spinning. Yeah. It, it works I would say probably about 85% of the time but it's just those last few times mm-hmm. and then towards it's the back end of the game I mean the whole back end of the game is you're outnumbered outgunned and although the environments change um, you do end up in the final areas in a factory type environment so there's very little um, you know, natural cover of any kind you, you kind of get caught and the best you can do is hide behind boxes and god help that they don't actually walk around the corner as you're trying to regain some stamina so yeah. it adds tension to the gameplay but frustration at the same time but then again I'd rather that than health packs or just yeah, I, mean, I don't know maybe the regeneration shield but at that point it really is just Halo hmm. in 2005 that was you know before it had kind of been invented, I guess. Right, so the obviously the story has changed now because um, the Doctor is dead, we we should have mentioned, so the operation ain't happening anyway. Uh, I see, the, the assumption is, he doesn't actually say it, but the assumption is that he wanted to have his extra legs removed just so he could exist in society and be left in peace without being hunted or being feared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the general assumption. And in the, in the instruction book it even says in the sort of the blurb the intro sort of thing it says it's a, it's a life threatening surgeon uh, surgery that he needs so th- yeah there's an implication that he wants those legs removed mm. um yeah and you see you see a picture of it don't you in the yeah in the um the, the bad guy says aha this is where he figures him out yeah he sees a picture of the back legs cut off but um yeah the stranger's motivation is presumably just to lead a peaceful life he's willing to have this effectually he's actually he's actually asking a doctor to mutilate him you know to to change him from his own form you see i thought the message of the game was going to be you know you should accept yourself for who you are hmm. uh, but it doesn't really sort of pan out like that so yeah well there's something to do with with secto who who was the guy who wanted the steef head so now you kind of know he's a bad guy and he, he wants your head um he's also he's stolen the water from the grubs hmm. damned yeah, yeah that's in the dam isn't it right yeah, this is where the story for me kind of gets a little bit hazy. Yeah, um, this is this is I'm struggling here. It's sort of it's not there's there is cutscenes here and there, but they're not laid out as well as the the first half of the game is, and it's mm. sort of like it's all sort of generally assumed that Secto's bad and he wants Steve dead, and yeah, and the Grubs are obviously taking a, a beating from the Secto guy as well. Again, it's sort of it's story that you never explicitly. It's not really shoved in your face. It's just sort of there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really remember it very well. So, t- Tony, what what did you make of it? it, it I suppose it come. Is it is it simply because uh, the the grubs have been nice to Stranger that he decides to help him out? 
I think so. He, at that point, he has no choice. I mean, he, he, he can't go back to a society that's going to run him out, and he's found a, a group of people that clearly think he's a god or a uh, some sort of a higher power. Mm. Um, so I, I think it, you know, it's what well, they they say that they know how to. Well, they're basically going to give him a boat that will take him up the river to uh, get to Secto. So that's the the, re- the original reason why he helps them. Um, there's a wonderful scene with the boat actually, but we won't go there. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and I think that's probably why he originally helps them. But then there is a little bit of heart that comes to him where you know he wants to help these small weird guys that are, you know are clearly have something. Mm. Um, yeah. Beyond yeah, beyond that, the story goes a little bit wishy washy at the second. Yeah, half. the remainder of the game really then is uh, you you get this boat which has a mounted cannon on it which you don't actually control, uh, but you get off and on the boat as you make your way towards uh, Secto's dam and office. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it's really about your assault on on his fortress. Uh, now, the first sort of half to two thirds of that assault is pretty good fun because you get to put everything you've n- learned throughout the game and all your abilities to good use. Yeah, there's there's moments where you know you're dropping sort of cargo containers on onto them, like, like I mentioned earlier, like. I always wanted there more to be uh, to be more environmental stuff, and at this point in the game, there's definitely more opportunities to crush them with certain environmental objects. While it's a, a different take on what we saw earlier, I'm glad it came back in some sort of fashion. Yeah, and there's some quite cool bits like once you're inside, where there's uh, sort of machinery that you can fling the enemies through glass into this. You've got this. Mm. Uh, what's the vortex power one? The the um, the weapon that sucks them places which is pretty cool I used quite a lot in the last third I can't remember which sort of ammo it is which animal it is but it creates a like a, a whirlpool of of suction power and you can use it to they, none of the enemies can swim and they can't fall very far so uh, it becomes quite sort of you know the, the game instead of the sort of you know pick, pick people off one by one it becomes pretty much an all out assault based shooter hmm. yeah which is fun um, and there's a lot of exploding barrels and a lot of breaking glass and, <laughs> and all this kind of thing. Um, but then it throws at you a timed section. <laughs> Possibly the worst thing it could have ever done. Well, until the thing that comes just well, after it. I but mean, it <laughs> <laughs> my take on this is we are still firmly... Uh, well, 2005, I think the industry is changing somewhat, but um, we are still on the you know, third-person games where... Before this, there's been actually there wasn't a turret section, so that's something. But uh, you have been on minecarts riding. Minecart section, yeah, that, 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 they were actually fun. Yeah, there's plenty of platforming sections. Uh, time sections were kind of the thing to do back in many of those games. It's just you know, it's it's no excuse. I, I, I'm not saying this. I, I can <laughs> see where the thinking is coming from then, and and if anything, because now I think many people have learnt that you can do those a lot better. Even if you still are going to utilize them, you can handle them a lot better. In there, it is basically you have four minutes. Exit this building, go. And yeah. uh, bear in mind what we've been saying. If you take probably six or seven shots, you will die. Um, and the entirety of this army is now after you, even yeah. though the building's about to collapse around their head and they yeah. really should be escaping themselves. Yeah. Um, six and seven shots, when you, even when you're running at full pelt, yeah. is, isn't is a lot. And the time limit isn't very generous. It's pretty uh, close. Yeah, I, I didn't... The time limit in the end is okay, but my problems with this section were it's trial and error because you don't know the way you're going until you've died a few times. 
you can't really stop and shake out because if you do, you'll just die or you'll run out of time. Uh, there is actually one corner I found that you can hide behind safely and shake out and you still have time to make the rest of the run. Um, but there's a there's a bit, uh, once you've sort of learned the main path, there's there's a bit up a spiral path, which is the last section. You kind of you kind of assume it is just because of the amount of time you've got left but there's they're still chucking enemies at you on this uphill climb and your stamina's going down because you're climbing uphill and if you stop you'll die and uh it's just one of those it's just really badly designed badly thought out it's not fun it's it's frustrating not exciting the the only sense you get at the end is relief not pleasure yeah and i i made an even bigger mistake here i i decided uh the halfway point or slightly over the halfway point that now would be a good time to save um, mm. I, I didn't save really at the most opportune moment, and yeah, that's entirely possible uh, to I save got, just before you die. Yeah, yeah, I got caught between not having enough stamina, not having enough health, and all, also I worked out after about twenty minutes of trying to get up the same section, I also wasn't going to have enough time. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it required me then to jump back to an earlier save, which was about a good half an hour to forty minutes. Previously, I think it's when oh. I first entered that that whole um, area. Um, oh man. Which is, I mean, that it was my own fault. I, I knew the risk as a, as and when I did it. I should have done a, a better save system, but I was like, Jesus Christ. I think the way they could have balanced this out a bit more was just reduce the amount of snipers in the area. Because you'd stand still to shake out the bullets and replenish your health, but you'd get hit by a sniper mm. and therefore just totally removing any effort you've put in yeah. to shake out you know, your stamina for your health. Just maybe one or two less snipers in those positions. It felt like they were placed in the spots where they knew they were going to see you shaking out the bullets <laughs> yeah. it was just like right he's going to stop there so do you, like, use a play test in let's put a sniper there just to make it a bit more annoying they could have just keep it on the yeah. move keep it on the move go 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 yeah. but that's yeah. the thing like, it is it is a very fast paced section and the only way to sort of fight back these snipers is to snipe them back yeah. and you don't have time or, or the accuracy because you're going so fast and there's a timer and it's just yeah it's not very well thought out and designed in the end I did actually use all five of my sniper darts uh, which I don't think the game had even bothered to explain how to use for a long period but I suddenly realised you go into the, uh, the along with the first person view there's also a scoped view um, there's various and I kept there, there's a slight control issue maybe it's particularly on the, the dual shock but yeah. uh, right clicking when in trouble and ending up in in, um, in this scoped view which you only have sniper bullets in which isn't very good in, in close combat but yeah I actually ended up pausing for a few seconds and doing a quick save there's a little staircase up around a corner where you can where you can hide and did that and then stopping again there's one I found one safe point on the way up towards that final uh, that door that they close as you're running towards it um, you can snipe some of the the uh, dudes that are going to be coming ahead of you when you when you run around the corner and that made all the difference but you know yes I worked it out yes it didn't stop me forever but it wasn't fun so yeah that section is a failure for me yeah it's a bit of a shame isn't it that even with the knowledge that it was a rubbish section back in 2005 that they re-released it on the pc and psm without any kind of balancing it's a bit of a shame Come on, yeah you, you know people would have complained <laughs> but <laughs> yeah true but even more staggeringly than that uh the penultimate boss or bosses uh, you've already fought a couple of these uh, sort of uh, squid-like insectoid robot monsters. Yeah, they're, they're sort of like mini sectos, aren't they? Really, mm-hmm. they, they, they look a bit like secto, but like a cy- like sort of morph of cyborg sort of type. Oh, they're very weird. They're quite, yeah, they're quite cool and creepy. And when you fight them alone, 
it was quite fun but hmm. they put two together in a room and they do the, the designers commit the absolute cardinal sin of gameplay which is if you get knocked over by one of them you'll get repeatedly knocked over by both of them over and over again and there's no way you can break the animation loop and you will die you will watch your health bar go from the top to the bottom without any <laughs> technique of trying to get away from it yeah it's uh, it is terrible absolutely dire uh, one of the worst sections in a game I've played for a long time and it was it was made me so angry because like I just you know I'd, I'd enjoyed the game a lot up to the up to the time bit and then I thought okay right we've done that shit here we go now we're, we're gonna finish off the Boss game time. yeah yeah and then it was just the most unpleasantly ugly badly designed I don't mean ugly visually I just mean poorly thought out nasty egregious crap uh yeah it kind of reminds me of um, to the lead up with the timer. It kind of reminded me of Halo and the more you know when you're in your warthog and you've got to get to the end before the timer. Yeah, but imagine in Halo at the end of that more section, they they put a horrible twin boss thing at the end. It, like <laughs> there, there was no need for it. It was just like why why put me in this awful situation after an awful situation, and why is it so badly designed? It's such a disappointment because the first seventy five percent of that game is probably some of my some of my favourite mm. and they're definitely like a, a highlight for the Xbox even though I didn't play it on the Xbox like for that era yeah. and then to just drag you through this sort of you know turd at the end just really horrible. yeah just you know like make all the mistakes of game design that they've yeah. gone out of their way to avoid for like 14 hours or however long it was and then just to throw a load of completely backwards looking shit at the end yeah. Uh, it just reeks of lack of time and polish. Like you know, they, totally. they they had it all ready to go, and they were just like, right, we need to get this out for a certain date before the mm. 360 is preparing to come out and stuff. And I guess they just had to squeeze it out anywhere they can. What, what is actually really weird is the boss after the these two sub bosses are really, 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 really easy. I was going to come to that uh, once I'd finished. Once I'd finished shooing the the penultimate boss. Mm. Well, I mean, what the, the, to. To try to explain what these penultimate bosses look like, they've got those spinny disc things on the, yeah, on the bottom yeah. themselves, which means what, obviously once you get caught, then it flicks you across. If you flick across, then it takes a while to stumble back up, and by which time the second one does it. And because they both have these big, fairly big health bars, um, and you're trying to just shoot anything because God help you, you know, you're just trying to stop them, you end up wittering both their health bars roughly down the same as which I did. Yeah, and, and you're running out of ammo. Yes, and there's there's just about enough ammo in the room, but um, it's it's to that point where I managed to get my, myself out of the situation, quick save, uh, have another two or three goes die, yeah. have another mm. couple of goes, think this is a better time to quick save, um, doing that again, and just, mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous, yeah, ridiculous old school kind of situation to put a, a player in, which, uh, for a game which is kind of trying to buck trends and traditions, and then just fall straight in at the final hurdle, once again, into a stupid boss fight. Yeah. And then as you say, yeah, the final boss is just a massive anticlimax because you've come sweating through these last two god-awful sections and then the last boss is just really fucking lame. Which is also weird when you consider that you've actually essentially fought mini-bosses for the first six hours of this game um, and each one having a slightly different style of how you've got to take it down. 
and this final boss is you've got to shoot the two um, glowy <laughs> things on the edge of his not even him just the two glowy things on the edge of his platform yeah. and I thought alright that'll be stage one <laughs> we'll shoot these bits of machinery and then he's probably going to and then I was dreading it because of the shit we'd just been through yep. I was like oh fuck what he's going to now let loose with his with his attack because clearly this isn't doing me any damage at all you just hide behind the rock that conveniently falls from the ceiling every time <laughs> step out and then just shoot his cog shoot his bit of machinery until it falls apart and then you shoot the second one it's like okay right what's cutscene coming in Ooh, what's going to happen now oh that's it <laughs> it's so odd it is weird but I'm, I'm kind of I was sort of relieved in the way yeah. that, that last boss was not harder than what we've seen before because I don't think agreed. I would have finished it yeah agreed uh, I, I'm so glad that the last bit was just like a like a, a limp fart basically it was just like oh done I would have, uh, if it hadn't been for doing this podcast and, and our self-imposed restrictions about completing games, uh, I may well have never got past that penultimate boss, even though you know, it wasn't the hardest thing I've ever done because of the quick saves and because I did work out after a while that you could, uh, it was probably better to not run away and just carry on shooting and take yeah. a bit of damage, but don't get knocked over, whatever you do. Uh, yeah, I. but it was so, I was so annoyed that I might have, thrown it away at that point which would have been stupid because I would have then missed the very easy end boss and the end sequence at the start of the podcast we spoke about how we didn't play it because maybe we found it too hard and not not too hard but unconventional mm. I can't imagine getting to those later boss stages at that time in 2005 I, I think I would have literally launched out the window because <laughs> like, now like you know like last year I, I you know I got, got to the final bit and I found it really hard but I sort of I sort of knew how to deal with hard games and stuff like that. But back like in 2005, I was not really... I didn't really tolerate hard games. Like Splinter Cell 1, I just like... As soon as I got spotted in the first room, I pushed eject and played something else. <laughs> so, I know, I know, I was one of those. But um, but yeah, I, it's just such a weird ending to a, such a, a fine game. And like I say, if I'd, have, if I'd have got to this bit in 2005, I would have, I'd have been raging. Yeah, Absolutely. I'd have so much rather it finished with anything else. Like a really inventive boss fight that was that related to the other boss fights you'd done earlier in the game in the in the way they played out so maybe he maybe Secto chucked a few more uh, combinations of minions at you and then but at the same time he was shooting at you with some kind of homing missile that you could avoid by rolling out the way See, you know, that, that kind terrible. of thing that's a boss but well, yeah. But maybe you know, maybe even like I, I was wondering, oh, has this got two endings? One where you can, uh, one where you can capture him, or one where you can kill him? No, no, nothing like that. Uh, so yeah, so the the actual ending is a bit of a kind of odd one. Well, it's quite fitting because it's a you know odd world. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird sort of ending. Um, so what? Secto is like this little sort of squid creature. Well, and you, yeah. you find out he's sort of taken over he's sort of like a parasite that's taken over the old Steve yeah so yeah so what you thought was Secto is in fact a Steve um, which is odd because uh, yeah controlled by a little squiddy demon dude hmm. but um, why is he controlling that one when he's got a load of Steve heads all around his office yeah it's never really told it's never really said to you that he's he's taken them down himself maybe he's sort of I don't know bought the heads from some place maybe he's so fascinated with Steve's that maybe he's bought these <laughs> plaques and he's just put them on his wall somewhere but yeah it's it's very strange that he's used as Steve for all his evil dudes yeah. 
it's weird, isn't it? And then he just sort of hops off and swims away. Yeah, he relinquishes the old Steve. The old Steve is revealed to not be uh, a bad guy when he's not possessed. But who uh, is he? And he <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, he, he says, oh, I'm so glad, you know, I'm so glad that the uh, the grubs have got their water back and then dies as as the little squid, red-eyed squid swims off. <laughs> just swims off. <laughs> and like, who, what the, who, what, who's, who's the old Steve? Who's this? Why is he not possessing somebody else? What's... Yeah, but it's all set up for the uh, for the forthcoming second game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, an interesting thing is that when apparently when Oddworld Inhabitants first talked about this uh, five game series, um, they called it a quintology. I think it's a pentalogy or something. But um, they said that uh, Strangers Wrath and Abe's Exodus at least weren't two of those five games. So although they made four Oddworld games, is that right? Yeah, uh, they weren't. That, they've actually only made two of the planned five Oddworld games, which is just mental. And they've been around uh, since 1994. That's nearly 20 years. <laughs> that is it's such a weird business, and I really like what they do. And their style is why I go to these games and check them out. Yeah, and, sure. I will be checking out the HD Abe's Odyssey and yeah, Exodus, I will, yeah. just because I really like their art style and their character design. Um, but yeah, how, how can you how can you support a business that doesn't do much? I don't get it. Yeah, it's, but I mean, it's very strange. Welcome to the game industry. How many studios do we know that have produced you know actual classics and, and great titles that have just you know disappeared and and haven't had the wear rules to actually stay afloat as a company? Still, I mean, there's still potential that other companies can buy their IP and, and move on and move the franchise on, but we're caught in this situation again is you know does something like this sell in a modern day society and you know well I'll, we'll let the cane and rinse uh, listeners decide that one but for us it's it felt kind of unique and fresh and although mm. you know 2005 it, I mean it, it, it habits some of those old traits of 2005 games but it, it felt mm. different enough from a lot of the stuff I've been playing again recently same, yeah. same, same old thing we keep saying on cane and rinse it's good to go back sometimes yeah, I mean, we've really struggled to, interestingly, to get comments and things, reviews in on on this one, um, which which seems ironic to me because it feels like ever since I bought my copy in two thousand and five, people have been saying, "Oh, you yeah. got to play Strangers Wrath." Oh, you got to play Strangers Wrath. <laughs> and then, of course, you go to make a podcast on it, and everyone's like, "Oh, whatever." <laughs> so, That's weird, isn't um, it? I'd be interested to know, you know, some of, some of the, some of you people listening are people obviously will be fans of the game who did play at the time. Others will be uh, none none the wiser. It'd be interesting to know how many people now go and download that uh, version on PSN or PC um, with the PC version, Darren. Uh, so it was just Adwater who actually did the port. Yeah, uh, for Steam. Yeah, right. And um, there are rumours that. They're gonna get. It's gonna get uh, high res textured like the HD version on PlayStation Network, but it hasn't happened as yet. No, not as far as I'm aware. I, I did a quick rinse, uh, which should be live as we uh, as we speak, or maybe a day after. Yep. And you'll you'll see the original graphics with you know PC resolution. Yeah. Um, the PC version isn't the most stable, so before we add the HD textures, maybe we can add a few patches and stuff like <laughs> that in there to to make it more of a stable game. Because I was trying to play it on my you know, brand new PC, and it was it was struggling, which is a, which it just, mm. it just says to me it was a poor port of um yeah. of, a, of a of a good game, and it, on re- on release, it was the most unplayable thing in the world. I, you know, I'd spent something like twelve quid on this thing called the Odd Box, but I think I've got Munchies Odyssey in my Steam list, but I haven't I haven't checked it out. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I just I, I remember 
so desperately wanted to play it because I didn't get the chance to play it or for some reason I shunned it back in 2005 I wanted to play it on the PC and it was just the worst thing ever like you couldn't no input would happen from the keyboard or a controller there was nothing um, and then the, the more you checked on forums that people were like well if you edit this this file in your in your config you could then press up and down on your arrow keys I was like I'll oh, just sod this do you know what I mean PC I gaming you know, PC gaming at its finest exactly yeah. it's such a shame because Just Add Water they seem like a really nice like lot on, on Twitter and stuff like this and Facebook like they seem like a really nice group of guys mm. and I'm sure it wasn't their intention to release a bad port of a of a good game. Sure. But it was just that they they couldn't have the the infinite amount of computers it needed to test a you know a PC game. Yeah, on. of course. It's just um yeah it's playable now, but I'd much rather go for the the uh, the PSN yeah, version. PSN version is is good. Um, you know, functionally, and it and it looks pretty nice as well, Tony. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, that, once again the same situation with the Halo remake. Um, there was a couple of times where I was wow, this this isn't a current generation game. Um, it's it's got very much of an art style and and a lot of the um, geometry design feels you know slightly of a two thousand and five game, but they've done a fantastic job on on you know upraising the textures and the character models look superb and the animation's great and certainly the later half of the game once you get into the you know, the forests and the snowy areas it it does actually look phenomenal. More like um, the frame rate very the frame rate varies a little uh, and it, it drops a little in busy sections, but not not to an unplayable degree. You, you notice that it's running pretty much at like fifty or sixty frames when you're running around. And there's nothing happening, and then it will drop to something, maybe you know, thirty to forty or something. But. I um I really struggled actually when it it came to kind of sitting down and, and jotting some notes to this game because. I think that the first half of the game suffers from being a bit too repetitive. The second half of the game probably suffers from being a bit too hard. Um, but overall, it's one of those games where there feels like it's got a slight heart to it. Like there's a developer that really cared about this franchise, really you know had a vision for this to be multiple games. Uh, ultimately, never got the chance, but they didn't know it at the time of making this, and they make some silly mistakes. Um, but I think technically, it's it's a superb achievement back in 2005. Um, and it it feels like it, you know in that group of games like Beyond Good and Evil or um, I don't know, Eternal Darkness something mm. like that where there there's a number of small issues if you were to look at them now and you could criticise and, and pick apart the, those games and we probably will in, in future episodes because they're interesting titles to talk about yeah. but there's just a little bit of heart and soul that goes in there and doesn't feel quite as mechanical as a number of the modern day titles where you yeah. kind of just play through. Um, and that's probably what would carry you. Well, it's what carried me through most of the majority of this go- game is, which is you know, it, it gets repetitive, it, it gets hard, and it and occasionally it gets frustrating. But there's a, some really nice, uni- unique ideas in there that haven't actually been copied since. Um, and I think the actual 3D to first person combat is pretty seamless and actually works rather well. Uh, that neither neither one feels particularly like it, it's been sacrificed, which is actually quite a hard thing to do, even now. Yeah. yeah, you don't really see it nowadays, do you? The seamless sort of first to third person camera is it's a tricky thing to design your game around. I did want to say because because although you guys both mentioned platforming, there's no there's it should be said there's no sort of maddening pixel perfect no. sort of tiny platforms no. and jumps. If you do scenes. fall off, you just land in water and then you you get I use a rope to climb out or you yeah. just like there's a ramp nearby. There's nothing severe and yeah. punishing. There's a couple of bits where you have to do a run up for a jump and do a double jump, but yeah, it's uh, it's oh. very very forgiving in that area. Uh, another game this reminds me of and it's very different, but a brutal legend. And a, another mm. game which you think 
is going to go one direction and <laughs> I mean that one a lot earlier on takes a, a certain shift and obviously the, R, the RTS elements get brought in and there's nothing mm. quite as dramatic here but it's kind of got the same tone to it uh, you know there's a sense of humour there and the characters and the environment and you know that there's a twist in that so um, yeah, yeah. I recommend it Darren what's your summarization? yeah I Old World Stranger's Wrath is definitely a game to check out. Uh, if just just for the aesthetic and the world alone, it is unique. And I'm sure, we've seen Western games before. We've like, I mean, recently, sorry, with Red Dead and you know Redemption and Gun and stuff. But I think Stranger's version of a Western, which you don't see too often, is so unique and yeah, hasn't been replicated since. It's um well worth anyone's money, despite. I, I know it's a stupid thing to say, like this game's great despite its flaws, but you know. <laughs> In spite of its real unbalanced ending, um, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I do really like this game, and it's well worth checking out. Not on PC though. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I've finally played it after having it. Uh, you know, I'm glad I've played it. Uh, I have sort of even despite that absolutely abysmal last three quarters of an hour or whatever. Um, I still have probably more fond feelings towards the game, but maybe not as many as as I would have done than I do negative feelings. Um, like Tony says, the good thing about this is it doesn't feel like it was focused group. It doesn't feel corporate. It uh, it, it doesn't feel. Um, it, I, I guess it feels more like something that these days would come out as a downloadable release, if you see what I mean. And in fact, it did. Yeah. So uh, you, if you do have uh, a PS3, then uh, I would probably recommend it but I don't think it's I don't think it's essential I don't think it's like as, perhaps as legendary I think maybe its status is slightly elevated due to the fact that it's one of these games that some people played and really enjoyed and then the kind of you know it gets talked about in hushed tones and perhaps its reputation has exceeded its actual worth as a video I game I would but, agree with that entirely yeah, yeah. I mean, Liz actually said to me she said I can't work out whether you're enjoying this or not because I'd seem to be coming back to it and it wasn't you know one long down sit down session with it um, and it's a little slow to get going and there was times I was like oh jeez you know move but I think overall there is there's a heart and soul there which is the thing that you know, you know propels you along through it uh, and that's hard to quantify really uh, other than just saying there's a heart there which is hey, put that in your review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forum review uh, this week comes from Buckled Kipper who says this originally came out a few months after my son was born so my playtime was restricted to half hour bursts when he would nod off I absolutely loved the game but never got past three or four hours play due to my new responsibilities time to put this right methinks yeah maybe he can play it with his seven year old son now wow yeah it's actually it's got a certain amount of maybe slightly too adult content from yeah, as soon as I said that I looked at the age rating on the box it says 12 plus so <laughs> yeah. there's probably there's probably a little bit of violence in there and maybe a little a bit, bit of swearing a little bit of yeah. there's blood in there as well isn't it when the sting bees actually hit him they do actually burst a little bit of blood yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's there's nothing uh, I don't think there's anything that would upset a 7 year old uh, boy no, <laughs> no. To probably they probably really enjoy it in fact uh, so some three word reviews 
Uh, first one is from Hellworld. Hellworld Cop. Mm. Best weapons ever. You see, uh, that's wrong. It's best weapon ever. Best best ammo ever. Yeah. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> Karma 4036. Criminally overlooked shooter. Strident. Disappointing plot twist. Hmm. And Ryan Astley, uh, he never quite gets his word count right. He says, underappreciated Western. That's hyphenated, so it's only two words, but hey, Ryan, <laughs> see, we know you're an artist, not a writer, so we'll let you have it. <laughs> uh, remember, you can get involved in the show via the forum, email, and Twitter. Forthcoming show topics will include Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2, Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake, and with more upcoming shows to be announced soon, interesting, Tony, you mentioned Eternal Darkness there. I think I'm going to put that one forward as a possible uh, uh, show yeah, no, no, I, I've got one as well. Um, I'd like to probably put forward Luigi's Mansion, uh, as the Luigi cool. Mansion 2 is, is not far from releasing a 3DS. So. GameCube month. Yeah. Uh, okay, our blog is at Uh We were recently featured on the Metro in Game Central. You can see about that on there. Uh, that was very exciting. Yeah. Alongside Giant Bomb and IGN and all the Best <laughs> podcasts ever. Yeah. Best podcast in the world ever. Uh, yeah, just oh. thought we'd blow our own trumpet a little bit there. <laughs> uh, made, made my weekend. I've spoken to the author. He he was he was he also made his weekend to have the article printed. So Excellent. everybody's happy. Uh, we are part of the Character Select Network. There's currently a Character Select Network quarrel online competition uh, going on. So come and join. You can't actually join this one, but hopefully future events. Um, I had a really cool game of quarrel with uh, Mr. Robotic Monkey the other night. That was excellent. Come and join in the discussion and the tournaments and whatever else at characterselect.net slash forum. Remember, you can also follow us on Twitter, which is at CanaRince. Email us at CanaRince at gmail.com. The weird thing is we were getting more emails before we were inviting them than we are now. So uh, if you want to email in, um, they will very likely be included in the show. Uh, just, yeah, think about... Yeah, just just have your say. Um, you can do it obviously via Twitter, via the forum, via email. Um, you know, we're not getting quite as many emails. We get plenty of spam. Um, <laughs> but no, it, I think the thing is, there's so many ways yeah. to contact us. Obviously, um, but you know, the good old traditional email way isn't necessarily the the preferred method school. nowadays. Uh, you can like our Facebook page. People are doing that. Facebook.com slash Rince and of course your iTunes subs subscriptions. That is reviews, ratings are all very welcome, as we always say. It just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins and Darren Gargett. Until then, goodbye.